Open your Bible to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 9. Jeremiah, chapter 9. Read two verses of Scripture, verses 23 and 24. Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, Neither let the mighty man, the strong man, glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. <clears throat> but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight saith the Lord. He begins with thus saith the Lord and he ends with saith the Lord. He says don't let us glory in our wisdom, in our strength, and in our riches. Well, what does that mean to glory? The word glory in is to give honor to, <clears throat> to rejoice in, to take pride in, and even to worship. That's what it means to glory. You say, well, if a man glories in his wisdom, he depends upon his intellect. He depends upon his wit. So he glories in it. He takes honor in it. He takes pride in it. And he may even worship his wisdom. What does it say? The wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. And he says, don't glory in your strength. Man glory in their physical abilities. You don't have any. What, what is that man glories in? He, when, he, when he talks about his free will, he thinks he's talking about his ability. No man can come to me. But the very weakest part about man is the very thing he glories in. He glories in him strength. Well, I, I can't believe. No, you can't. You can't. Apart from grace, you can't. But being glory and say, well, I can. Well, I figured it out. Let me tell you this. Salvation is not by education. It's by divine revelation. But men want to glory in their wisdom. And when men do, you know what it does? All it does is builds up pride. That's why I read 1 Peter 5. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Pride and humility are so far apart. And glory in his riches. Now this can be applied, man. Glory and honoring. Taking pride in he. Well, I, I, the American dream, I've got more than you've got. Isn't that it? Keeping up with the Joneses, whichever name you want to put to it that you're trying to keep up with. Don't be like the world. You know what he said? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added unto you. But these things are real. I'm talking to believers this morning. Don't let us glory in our wisdom. Don't let us glory in our strength or our physical riches or what we think is assumed spiritual riches. You think you have riches and increase with good and have need of nothing. We're, we're nothing. 
And God must keep reminding us not to glory in these things. Proverbs 27, 24, for riches are not forever. Psalms 49, 6, they that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom for him. The article there from Henry, I read something from there and I made a note here this morning. He said, Whatever is our strength in the flesh, whether it's wisdom, human strength, is sure to become our weakness in the spirit. You think about that. The very thing that we think makes us strong is what makes us weak. 1 Corinthians one twenty six. We, we mentioned this passage so many times. He said, you see your calling, brethren. Talking to believers, brethren. We're not talking to unbelievers. We're talk, talking to God's children. You see your calling, brethren. Have it not many wise men after the flesh. Now, he didn't say not any. He said not many. And there's not many. Not many mighty. Not many strong. Not many noble. What does that mean? Not many of noble birth. You know what we do? You know, it's a big thing now. Everybody wants to study their, the computer. They want to study their family tree. I guess we're hoping we'll find some king or some bishop somewhere in our tree. All of our trees have rotten roots. Isn't it? But isn't that how we do? We're hoping. Uh, what a, seen some guy, he was searching for his, and he found out somewhere in his line, Jack the Ripper was in his line. But that was it. He cut it off. But that's us, isn't it? We think, well, oh, oh, that might make us special. But he says, not many, not not many mighty, not many noble are called. Not many are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak thing. Nobody wants to be considered a fool. Nobody wants to be considered weak. To confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to, to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world. Base things. And things are which are despised hath God chosen. That's the ones he called and chose. Yea, and things which are not. To bring to naught things that are. To bring to nothing things that are. And why does God do that? Why does God do that? Why does God call people like us? Why does he? This is it. That no flesh should glory in his presence. That's why. That's why. Not many. Now, he, he does call a few. God can call whoever he wants to. But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, he that glorieth, he that takes honor in, he that takes pride in, he that worships glory in the Lord. Something else I got from Brother Henry. He said, if you wish to know whether your religious experience is, is, is of the flesh or of the Lord, ask yourself this question. Who gets the glory? Isn't that it? 
They want to talk about their religious experience and all. We'll just ask them one question. Well, who gets the glory in it? Man wants just a little bit of the glory, don't he? Let me tell you this. It takes God to save a sinner. And God has fixed it. God didn't listen to me. God's fixed it in such a way where he gets all the glory. All of it. All of it. That which is of God, from God, and for God's glory will be blessed with his presence and his power, and he's going to get the glory. You can't say, well, look what we did. We didn't do nothing. We are here this morning because of his grace. And that's what he blesses. And he gets all 100% of the glory. He gets all the honor. He gets all the praise. He gets all the recognition. That's what I mean by glory. All through history, men have gloried in things. And the very things that they've gloried in have come back to destroy them. We saw that this morning in Absalom. What was the very thing Absalom gloried in? His long, beautiful hair. And it was that very hair that got caught in the oak and humbled him. What did Peter say? Lord, everybody else may deny you, but I won't. The only one that did deny him was Peter. Isn't that right? Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him. Not just once, three times. But he says, I won't. And I thought about this. You remember Asahel, who was Joab's brother? Remember when they were in battle with, with Abner? And he was, said he was light of foot. He, was a, he was, could run real fast. That's why he could glory. You know, I can outrun everybody. And he's getting ready to catch up to Abner. And you know why Abner says, you better run to somebody else. You better turn to somebody else. Don't run at me. And, before, and he's running so fast. And you know, you remember what Abner did? Abner took his spear, turned it just like that, and drove it through him. The very thing he gloried in is what destroyed him. That's what I want you to see. The very thing man thinks is his strength is what will destroy you. Whether it's a man's wisdom. What would keep a man coming to Christ? He thinks he can figure it out. He can't figure it out. That's why the gospel, it, it humbles a man. To tell a man, I don't care how many PhDs you've got, you cannot, you cannot figure this out savingly. Now, you may agree with a doctrine. You may come to a doctrine. There's a lot of people that would, would agree with you on every point of Calvinism, on every point of the five points of grace, which we love. But the doctrines of grace is not salvation. It's a person. You can believe in a doctrine. You can fight for a doctrine and not know him. You say, Don't, you, are you telling me that I can't figure it out? I'm telling you, you can't figure it out. I'm telling you, it's impossible. Because the wisdom of God is foolishness with men. Isn't that it? That's what I want you to see. A man don't depend on his wisdom. He depends on his strength. Oh, I'm strong. The battle's not to the strong man. 
Remember what he told Gideon? Gideon says, uh, I don't have enough men. God said, you got too many. You see what we'd have done? Well, Jeff, we're going to plan to go to war. We, how many we got? That's us, isn't it? That's our wisdom. We want, we want to figure it out. And, they, and there's nothing wrong with that to a point. But so, oh, can we do this? And, and Gideon says, there's no way I can go against those Midianites with what men are. He said, I don't have enough. God said, you got too many. Why? God stripped it down. And when the battle was done, Gideon couldn't stay up and say, look what I did. He can say, look what God did. And that's why God does things the way he does things. All is vain glory. Let us not be desirous of vain glory and provoking one another, envying one another. Why would you envy somebody? Now let's just be honest this morning. Every one of us envies somebody. Don't you envy somebody that's smarter? I can tell you, I, am, I envy Charles Spurgeon. They said that man had a, almost a photographic memory. I've heard them say that his secretary, he had a big conference table and he would lay books down all on that conference table and he would walk around and just read them and could remember everything he read. Wouldn't you like to do that? Boy, I would. Not only to read it, but to retain it. I have to ask Sandy every morning what my name is. But you see what I'm saying. Whether it's that and say, man, oh boy, if I had that, my life would just be a little easier. He said, don't be desirous of vainglory, envying one another. Let me tell you what you have. Whether it's your mental capacity, your human strength, or your riches or whatever it is, God gave it to you. And that it. God gave it to you. Some of y'all look around and it's a miracle that you're here this morning. God spared you. God spared you. You say, well, I'm not as strong as I once was. Yeah, God, God knows that too. And he will put us to the place where we don't have any choice but to depend upon him. Because if not, you know what we're going to do? We're going to glory in it. Let me just be honest. When we preach a message, oh, we think, boy, we delivered the message. Oh, we, we studied, we prepared, and everybody goes, oh, that was a good message. Oh, really? Isn't that the truth? Isn't that just the fact? You or me, neither one can't take praise. We just can't do it. Read an article that Henry wrote. Man, it's just so good. He's, he said, when will, we beget, when will we get empty enough? He said, he said, I thought it was the smooth voice. He said, it may be God has to go down by the seashore again to get some fishermen. I'd say in our day, fishermen, they would have probably been the, didn't graduate high school. When you think, didn't have, didn't have much of an education. Most everybody can fish. It don't take a lot of smarts to fish. I mean, you could about teach anybody how to fish. If he can't, don't know how to throw the net, he, could at least, he can at least use his bodily strength to pull the net in the boat. God would want him. God chose him. And sent him to preach the gospel.
And even after he fell, denies him three times, said, God never used him. Oh, yeah, he did. Less than 50 days later, the, the Feast of Pentecost, 50 days is from the Passover. He stands up, this same man that I read to you in 1 Peter chapter 5 that wrote that. He knows something about pride. He knows something about humility. God resists the proud. God gives grace to the humble. This man stands up and he preaches. And God saves souls at one time. He said, well, Peter preached a great message. No, he didn't. He preached a great God. And he preached it by experience. You see, you see what I'm saying? That's the difference. That's the difference. Solomon said, all is vanity. He said, I, then I looked on all my works that my hands have wrought. You imagine what Solomon has. God gave him wisdom. None can compare to his wisdom. God gave him riches. None can compare to his riches. Isn't that right? But you know what he said? Though I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. This is what we are by nature. We take pride in, rejoice in, honor in our wisdom, our strength, and our riches. Someone said, man will glory in his face. He will glory in his appearance. Let me tell you something. One day you're going to get wrinkles. I don't care how many facelifts you get, you're going to get wrinkles. You may get proud of your race, your pedigree. And I'm not, who makes you to differ? We could have all been born in the 1800s, in the mid-1800s, and been born slaves. That's right. That's a fact. If you're not careful, you can even get proud of grace. The only reason you believe, it's grace. The only reason you still believe, it's grace. The only reason you will continue to believe, it's grace. What is the cure for vainglory? It's our nature to glory. It's our nature to glory. That's how we're made. What is man's chief end? Some of the old confessions of faith, the Westminster, the 1689 Baptist Confession, what's the, what do they say that is the main object of men? Why was he made? For this reason, to glorify God. That's his chief end. That's why he was made. That's why we were created. So we're going to glory in something. Our problem is we want to glory in everything else. It's not by trying to depress the tendency to glory. It's by seeing something worth glorying in. That's the cure for it. That's why in verse 24 it says, Let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. We, now we don't, that's not saying we glory in our understanding and in our knowledge, but we glory in him. And you know me. This is eternal life that you may know me. Paul said, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know that's not talking about some stick. 
whereby he was crucified on. It's the one who died upon that cross. It's what he accomplished upon that cross. That's what we glory in. And we can glory in that. We can give honor to it. Praise and exalt the one who died. When you honor, when you glory in something, when you honor, you prize it. That's what it means worship. It means the worth of something. Not, you know, I hope this doesn't offend you, but if it does, whatever. Those things people hang up on their wall and they call crosses, go take some of them down. You don't think they prize those things? They prize those things. Isn't that right? They glory in those things. They glory in what they can see. God forbid that I should glory but save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I'm crucified to the world. We honor a person. And Christ, he is worthy, worthy, worthy of all worship, all honor, all praise. You know why? He did and accomplished the work. That's why we glory in him, Danny. You know what it says? The angels declared his glory. Remember when he was born, he sent the angels to the shepherd and said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Do you know the heavens declare his glory? The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. His handiwork. I like to do a little word work and I'm telling you, I, I feel good and somebody says, well, what? that's a pretty good piece. What I'm getting at, think about my Lord's handiwork. Since the first time I heard Jeff lead that song, I love it. This is my father's world. We walked out there, never get over it, to that side door, which faces east. And every morning we walked, me and Sandy, we walked to the door and there said, I want you to see this sunrise. That's my father's handiwork. This is my father's world. What's that saying? Those heavens declare his glory. Come in and say, well, look what I made. Let me tell you about the sunrise I made this morning. We life. But isn't that like my man trying to take the credit? Look what he's done. And when that sun comes up, you know what that, he's like a strong man to run a race. Oh, everything in this universe pictures him. Everything. In some way, shape, or form, the heavens declare His glory. And there's no place upon this earth where His voice is not heard. Isn't it right? It says in Psalms 150, which was the last psalm written, in the last verse, Psalms 150, verse 6, Here's how he sums up the whole psalm. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Let everything that hath... Where did you get breath? He created man out of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils and he became a living soul. Who gave me that breath? 
who gave you your breath. Let everything that hath breath. When our Lord was in the garden, it's recorded in John 17, said these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. He said, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was made. Then in verse 9, I pray for them. I don't pray for the world, but for them which thou hast given me. For they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. You think about it that way. He's glorified in his church. He's the head. His church is the body. He's glorified in his body. Verse 24, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. The heavens declare his glory. He's declared his glory. He's finished the work that was given to him. And when he went back to glory, you know what he did? What did he say? He said, I won't leave you comfortless. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. What is the work of the Holy Spirit? We hear a lot of people in this world, they talk about the Spirit, the work of the Spirit, the Spirit's healing and all, all this junk. What is the office? What is the work of the Holy Spirit? And if you hear any other spirit that does any other thing, it's not the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, when He has come, will glorify me. That's pretty plain, isn't it? His office is to bring you to Christ, is to glorify Christ, to reveal Christ. It's the work of the Spirit. Inside you, inside of every believer, dwells the Spirit of Almighty God, isn't it? That's how, you, that's how you're born again. That's how your mind's illuminated. That's how you worship God. He glorifies Him. And some other spirit, some false spirit, another spirit is going to glorify you. That's the way you can tell if it's the Spirit of God or not. You say, well, he's not in the spirit. Look who he's talking about. It's, you hear them sing, and all they're doing is singing about flesh. Now, who are they glory? And they say, we're doing it in the spirit. It's not the spirit of God. When he has come, and when he ever comes, if he moved, if he moved, listen to me, if he moved upon some places this morning that they called churches, it would scare them to death. We come into this place, it ain't, it ain't about a show of the flesh. We sit down. Let's come into his house with reverence and sit down and worship him 
and honor him and glorify him. It ain't no flesh, a bunch of flesh. I could tell you some stories. I, I, I know by experience. I know what it is. And we thought we was doing it. I run up and down the aisles waving the Christian flag, jumping pews. And he, oh, isn't that the Spirit of God? We come in and everybody stands up and she's going to start testifying and this one's going to testify. And first thing you know, it's an hour and everybody's still talking, just crying her eyes out. Said the big preacher was there. No, he wasn't there. Nothing but flesh. Let me tell you this. God will not share his glory with anybody. I am the Lord. Isaiah 42 verse 8. I am the Lord. That is my name. And my glory will not will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. But let me tell you, the very thing that's going on this day in religion is men want to rob God of his glory. What do you mean to rob? That means that you take it, taking what ain't yours. Psalm Romans 1, verse 20. Now listen to this. If you want to turn there, you can. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Did I not just show you earlier that the heavens declare his glory? The invisible things of God from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that every man is without an excuse. He cannot say, I didn't know that there was a God that created all things. Because that when they knew God, listen, they knew God. They glorified him not as God. That's pretty plain, isn't it? They knew God. But they said, we're not going to glorify him as God. We're not going to give him the credit. We're not going to give him the glory. We're not going to give him the honor. Well, what are we going to do? Because we've got to glory in something. If we don't glorify him, well, what are we going to do? Because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither, neither were thankful. You know what? You know what it is to glorify God? It's to be thankful for it. Isn't it? But became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise. There it is. They glory in their wisdom. Oh, we're so wise. They became fools. And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Now who do they glory in? You, oh, okay, you don't want to give God the glory. You want to worship a stump. You, oh, you want to worship a, a, a something wiggling. You want to worship this. You're going to worship a creature. You're going to worship a cow. You're going to worship this. Oh, you're going to worship yourself. And you're considered a maggot. Isn't that the truth? That's what they've done. They, they know God, and we're not going to glory. We're not going to give him the credit. We're not going to be thankful to him. We're going to thank ourselves. It'd be like me standing up this morning and saying, oh, I'm so thankful that you're here. I'm thankful God let you be here. 
I'm thankful God let us be here. You know why people are not thankful? Entitlement. They think you owe it to them. That's right. They think that God ought to serve you, that God ought to bow to you, and God ought to, and they've made God out to be the beggar. He owns it all. He don't have to give you anything. He don't. And if God ever does anything for you, it won't be because of anything in you. You know, the book of Ephesians, that great chapter, chapter 1, you don't have to turn, but it talks about the work of the Father, choosing, predestinating, adopting us, and as soon as he gets through, he has a break, he says, to the praise of the glory of his grace. And who adopted who? I like that what Gabe said, he'd signed the adoption papers. Who predestinated? Who chose? He did. So let's praise to the glory of his grace. Well, the son redeemed. He gave his life a ransom for many. He paid their sin debt for a distinct number of people. That's what he did. And what are we going to do? To the praise of his glory. Well, then the work of the Spirit, who's the earnest of our inheritance, who seals us unto the day of redemption, to the praise of of his glory. Who gets all the glory? He does. He will not share his glory with anybody. Nobody. How are we to glorify God as I've mentioned in Thanksgiving? What does it say? In everything give thanks. Man, that rubs against our pride. You know why? Because we think, well, we don't deserve this. I heard a lady one time. It really broke my heart. I thought the lady was a believer. She'd been coming to hear the gospel for many years, and her husband died. I thought the world of her husband one of the dearest friends I ever had. But the statement she made when he died, she said, this is not fair. This is not fair. Who gave her that husband? That man had cancer for years, and he, he, he lived a long time, longer than anybody ever expected. Who gave, who gave him them, them years? But this is unfair. This is unfair. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. When you're taken up with his glory... Whatever he does, thank you, Lord. Thank you. You know what's best. And we also do it by faith. It says in Romans chapter 4, verse 20, talking about Abraham, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Children, I want you to hear what I'm getting ready to say. The most dishonoring thing to God is unbelief. Isn't it? We know we're filled with unbelief. We know that. We don't make light of it. But it is the most dishonoring thing. What more can I say to you than, I can, than I've said?
It'd be like Paul making these promises to Grace. He said, don't you worry about Grace. I'm going to take care of you. Don't you worry. They go, they go, I'm going to pay the light bill. They won't cut the lights off. I'm going to pay the, the gas bill. We're going to have gas. You don't have to worry about it. You don't, uh, you'll have clothes. Whatever you need, I'll take care of it. And she said, well, he ain't going to take care of me. How would you feel? And you never give her any reason to doubt. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Why does God send trials? Why does God send trials? To teach us. Not to glory in ourselves, but to glory in Him. Isn't that right? Lord, I don't understand why this is happening. It seems like I have no faith. Listen, it's not your faith that saves. Now you remember this. It's not your faith that saves. Faith don't save anybody. Christ saves. Religion makes it something else. So then you glory in your faith. You can make a work out of faith. There's a great article in the bulletin by Joe Turner. What about when you don't feel anything? When you don't feel nothing? What about then? Where's your faith at now? He's where he's always been. Because you know what? We are so guilty. We'll glory in our feelings. We'll rest in our feelings. We'll, we'll give honor to our feelings. And if we've got to ha have a feeling, well, we're going to have to do something to get that feeling back. I think we don't come here for you to feel good. We come here so you will look to Christ and rest in Christ and glory in him if you don't feel nothing. Isn't that it? Oh, boy, I feel some. Well, Danny, I didn't feel nothing. I don't feel nothing. I feel empty. Dead. Where's your faith now? Where's your faith at now, Abraham? God said he's going to give you a son, and you don't have one. Well, let me just see if I can produce one. Well, he produces an Ishmael. Isn't that right? That's us. And the reason he did it, he didn't believe God. But I can tell you this. I guarantee you, when God gave him Isaac, I bet you he is thankful. And he can't walk around and say, look what me and Sarah did. He can say, look what God did. God gave me a son. Does that make any sense? We glorify God publicly. When a person comes and they say, Preacher, I want to be baptized. I want to honor Him. I want to glorify Him. I want for this world to know that I'm resting in Him, not in what I've done. That honors Him. It's to be identified with God's people wherever they're at. And it's to stand for His glory wherever it's being attacked in our day. That glorifies him. Glorifies him. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all 
to the glory of God. That means whatever you do, your first and foremost thought should be for His glory. So what does His glory mean? It should mean, will this honor Him? Will this honor Him or dishonor Him? Does this bring glory to Him or not? In all things. Verse 24. Let him that glorieth, glorieth in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. That I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight in. You know, what, does, what pleases God? Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. You know what He's saying? Without faith. And what's not a faith is sin. It honors Him. It exalts Him. For in these things I delight. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. We think it's by something, I'm just being honest, we think it's by something that we do, we can earn his acceptance and he'll be pleased with, no he won't. He's pleased with his son. All God's glory rests in one place. And that's on that mercy seat. Isn't that right? John said, we beheld his glory. And if you ever behold his glory, you'll glorify him. You'll honor him. You'll respect him. You'll love him. You'll worship him. And you will be thankful for whatever he sends into your life. A good example is Job. We use him so many times. You know, Job's probably the oldest book in the Bible. We don't know exactly when it was written, but it's probably one of the oldest. And everybody talks about Job. Because you know why he's such a picture? God took everything. And after he took everything, he has his wife. And you know what his wife says? Job, why don't you just cuss God and die? What she what she want him to do to curse God? Well, you're to blame, God. You shouldn't have done this, God. Don't you curse God and die? She said, I wouldn't serve a God like that. And you know he said, You talk like a foolish woman. And here's what he said, The Lord gave. Now we like that part. The Lord, the Lord gave you them children. The Lord gave you your wisdom. The Lord gave you your strength. He gave you the car you're driving in, the house you live in. God gave it to you. But here's where the rub's at. The Lord had taken away. What about when he takes it away? What about when he takes your strength? And one day if you live long enough, you won't even be able to get up out of bed. Somebody will have to feed you. And you may not even know your name. The Lord taken away. What honors him is when you can say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's glorifying him. 
I can tell you one thing. I deal with unbelief and I deal with doubts just like you, but I can tell you one thing. I want to honor Him. When God gives it and when God takes it away, I want to be able to say, The Lord taketh away, blessed be His holy name. I remember when my first wife, when she got sick, people said, Why do bad things happen to good people? Let me turn that around. Why do bad why do good things happen to bad people? Don't have no clue. Don't have a clue. The Lord gave. The Lord had taken away. And let me tell you again, the Lord has given me again. You see what I'm saying? That's the It is impossible. It is impossible for you to do that. I told Yvonne yesterday, I said, what God, what God demands, only God can give. You can't, you can't do that. You're just like Job's wife. Said, no, that's not fair. That's not fair. I've served him all these years. Does that not, have I not earned anything? I can tell you this. If you're his, and I'm talking to his people, if you're his, he will not let you glory in anything but him. He won't do it. He won't allow it. He will teach you. You'll be taught of God. Glory in this, that you understand. Understand what? You understand who He is. And you know who He is. He's God. I'm not God. You're not God. He is. And my glory I won't give to another. But ain't you glad if you're his, he lets you see his glory? And why you? You little good for nothing people in, in Cottageville, Millside Baptist Church. You say, preacher, you're too hard on us. You know how much I love you. And I love you, I'm going to tell you the truth. I want while we're here, we're going to glorify God. In this little place, we're going to believe Him and we're going to trust Him. Everything we need, He's going to give us. I know there's times while well, you didn't have a pastor. You, I know some, some of you have told me, that, well, I don't know if we'll ever have a pastor. You know why I'm here? Because I'm smart enough to figure it out. People say, how in the world did you wind up in West Virginia? How many resumes did you have to send? We didn't send any. Didn't say nothing to nobody. Nothing. Nothing. But I knew it. Let me tell you this. I don't know if I've told you this. I remember the December. It was December before we came the next fall. We came here to preach. And we're arriving down the road. And I've not said a word to Sandy. And I said, Sandy, do you ever think about that church up in West Virginia? I won't see what she's going to say. She said, yeah, I believe we'll be there sometime, one day. I said, I think so too. I just wondered what you thought. Why did I think that? 
Why did she think that? Why in the world? But you say, well, this is to Mike Walker. Only God does that. It ain't us. We know it's not us. And he keeps reminding us. And we're thankful. Me and Sandy walk, get up every morning, we walk out here on porch and go, man, she said it's like being on vacation. <laughs> really, I'm telling you. God will teach you. Listen to me. God will teach you. And God help us to be more thankful. Thankful. Whatever it is, whatever comes, whatever may, you glorify Him. Amen.